Welcome to An Amazingly Ordinary Life, the podcast that takes a behind-the-scenes look at the world of special needs. I'm Sherry Tharp, an autism mom and your host. Join me each week as we share our lives, build community, and redefine normal. This is An Amazingly Ordinary Life, Episode 6. Today, I'll be talking with Berglund Bavarsterdotter about growing up being surrounded by ADHD and special needs. It's a fascinating story that you don't want to miss. Berglund, welcome. I'd like to thank you for taking time out of your day to come on the podcast and share your story. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yes, you have a very interesting story. And when I heard this, I knew I had to interview you because you have so many family members with different types of special needs, ADHD and autism and bipolar disorder, and it just runs rampant in your family. Yeah, that's right. I believe you said that your family tree was investigated? Yeah, because it turned out when they were looking at my sister and diagnosing her, there were two other kids who were in our family tree being Mm -hmm. diagnosed at the same time. Like, you know, relatives we didn't know we had. Oh my goodness. Well, so let's just start at the beginning. I want you to kind of tell me about what it was like for you growing up and where all this kind of started. So I grew up in a very, very small fisher town in Iceland. So I'm born in 1987. My mom, she's almost 19 at the time. And she has ADHD, but they didn't diagnose back in those days. So she was like used to being bad at school. And so she kind of just went her own way and met my father who has bipolar disorder. And I'm not really sure if it's like the cause of using drugs and stuff like that, but he definitely had something as a kid. So they started very young having me. And that starts my journey with being raised by a mother, single mother, by the way, who has a lot of energy and needed just things in a certain way so she could just function and have her attention focused. And so a typical day when I look back would be just waking up really, really early and starting out with those televised aerobics, you know, (laughs) like 6 a.m. and she would like start moving, go out and like do a lot of things. And I am very down to earth and love to relax. (laughs) So it was weird, you know, having that feeling like I didn't have that energy. Like I had a lot of energy, but not in that way. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. (laughs) Yeah, and and she's always cleaning because if there's clutter, everything is distracting and she doesn't really function. So everything had to be clean and everything had to be put in their own spot and a lot of activities during the day, like every day. And we would end the day by going out for walks or swimming or stuff like that. But now, as a grown-up, I'm really grateful for all those special moments with her. But I would have loved some relaxing as well. (laughs) So she was just always busy, always going. Yeah, always going. And she still is. I mean, she calls me five times a day and she's just like, I rode the bike and went 45 kilometers. I think that's like probably, I don't know how many miles, 20 miles or something like that. It's crazy. Whatever it is, it's more than I would ride. Yeah, me too. 
Yeah, my mom has three other sisters who are more like my sisters as well, because they're like 11 and 15 years older than I am. And when I was two, my cousin is born in 1989. He has a problem with speech and he is also very, very energetic, nonstop moving and has a lot of special needs that we just really didn't know. He was just an energetic boy. In that way, we were lucky to be in a very small village and we would just like run around the whole village all day long. But I think the parents were really worried because the sea is there and we were just like up in the mountain. Wow. <laughs> Stuff like that. So yeah, and we were always together. And I have another cousin, he's three years younger than I am. So we were like the three musketeers always running around. And I was the mom in the group. Because that cousin as well, he's like, both of them have ADHD now. And when we started school, they started having a lot of trouble. One of them had a lot of problems with social communications. And he had a lot of trouble learning how to have friends and keep friends. And he got an ear infection when he was small. And he couldn't hear for such a long time. But he didn't talk correctly. It was made fun of. So he got angry and got kicked out of school like six years old. Oh and went to homeschooling just like somewhere out in the countryside. It was more like a boarding school for bad behaved children. And that was quite hard for me because we were a lot together. <laughs> and the younger one, he was bullied a lot because he was very energetic and always running around and as i'm growing up with my mom having everything so clean and neat and everything this cousin of mine who's three years younger than i am his mom she has adhd as well and she is the opposite of my mom at that time <laughs> like oh my goodness she's always renovating her house i can't remember a day when she's not making something or just like renovating the house. Like she's changing the whole thing, like putting the kitchen where the bathroom used to be oh and stuff goodness. like that. Does and she ever he, finish anything? Yeah, yeah. Oh, she does. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> and that family, like this is my mom's sister, my aunt. She has three boys. And the oldest one, that's the one who's three years younger than I am. He has a lot of energy, very hyperactive. Her middle son, he's on the autism spectrum. And he spoke English before he spoke proper Icelandic, which is something that we have realized for the past few years here in Iceland is that kids on the autism spectrum, they tend to speak English. It's so amazing. It's like English might actually be in a different part of the brain as the Icelandic. So that's really interesting. So over there, is that introduced to them at a very young age? It is. We have so many TV programs in English, and also we used to have Cartoon <laughs> Network. And he would watch Cartoon Network like all day long. And I started actually babysitting that cousin of mine every summer. And he's like five years younger than I am. And at six years, he was in the stroller, and I would walk around the whole town because he was watching and he didn't talk a lot. And this was his favorite thing to just sit and being pushed around town. And when he discovered TV, he was just like watching Cartoon Network all day long. And at 
six years old, he spoke English fluently. That's and impressive. Yeah, we were really impressed. And then there's the third boy. He had a lot of attention disorder. He could not focus or anything in school. And so he was like, you know, the stupid kid in the class or something like that. But such a smart boy. One of my favorite things to do would be to sit around and talk with him. He had such deep thoughts. And sorry, I say had because unfortunately uh, we lost him six years ago. Oh, I'm so sorry. Thank you. So that's why I speak in past tense. But he would tell things, whatever he thought, because there were so many things that were said to him because of his special needs. And he would be like, yeah, that's me. You know, (laughs) doesn't matter. I don't care. Like, this is just the way I am. And I'm just going to go my own way. Like, this is not for me. I don't care if you think that I'm stupid because I can't do this or that. Like, you're not doing it the way I need it to be done. And Sounds like he was pretty I, smart. Yeah, I mean, so smart. Really wise. I, I learned so much from him. So that's like that part because there are four sisters, my mom and my three aunts, and all of them have children either with ADHD or on the autism spectrum. And I have a sister who's nine years younger than I am. So my mom has me and my sister, and my sister, she has Asperger's and ADHD. She was diagnosed really young. She's born in 1996. And I think around 1998, they've started to diagnose really early and more here in Iceland, at least. And they started giving her medicine pretty early on. And when she was six years old, she was just like a really, really angry child. And she was so depressed. It was horrible. I'm 15 at the time and she's just crying every day and we don't know what to do so she goes into like this emergency care so we have this children and teenage psych ward or something like that where they do like an extra diagnostics in case there's like a misdiagnosis or something like that and there we find out that she has asperger's so she was medicated with some medication that wasn't working for her and she needed a lot of more frame and routines and stuff like that. And at that point she was six? Yeah. And because I'm nine years older than her, so she's like a huge part of raising her. And we've always been very close and I've always been the one to be able to handle her special needs more than other family members so like homework could be really hard and just all these quirks that come with her Asperger's like when she was six and seven she wanted all the stationery to have like yellow Labradors (laughs) you know (laughs) like everything had to match and she loved dogs and so she needed all the stationery to have pictures of dogs and it's something that we just needed to handle because we couldn't find an eraser with a yellow Labrador on it and yeah. stuff like that. <laughs> so we would have to like, okay, how to handle this? Like, how can we solve this problem? So it's like everyday constant problem solving. Today, we make a lot of fun of her quirks. I remember she used to wear wellies 
every single day. And she would want to wear them like on the wrong foot. On the wrong foot. Yeah. I think that that's what we call rubber boots or rain boots, I think here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. probably. And it was not very good for her feet to wear them on the wrong foot. <laughs> and here in Iceland, when you wear them on the wrong foot, we call it the raven's foot. And she would just like, nope, I want to wear my rubber boots, the raven's foot. So I was like, how can we do this without getting angry? Or So I just found another bird <laughs> and like, oh, let's call it the swallow foot. <laughs> so she would wear it the right way. Every single day, all day long, we would try to figure things out. And sometimes it would just be a cute quirk. She wanted to wear a laundry clipper on her hat. <laughs> So she would be like running around and she's like really, really small. So she was really cute, like a small Teletubby with a laundry clipper <laughs> on her head. I love that. Like, so it was fun. But when she was six, it started to be a little bit harder. Also, every single time there's a change. If we had to move, we would have to prepare her really well. And she was really lucky. When I was little, we would move around a bit. but we were able to find a very good housing when she was born. So she didn't really know anything, but like for the preschool, she went to the same preschool or kindergarten. And then she went to the same primary school. And here we have the primary school and high school are just like year one to 10, like when you're six to 16. So for 10 years, she's in the same school. And when she's finishing, like at 16 and going to high school or college, it's the same system here. I knew that she would need the time to prepare and stuff like that. But at that time, she was not very <laughs> convinced about her autism diagnostics. And she was like, no, I'm not autistic. I don't have Asperger's. It's just like failure. So like, I don't need any preparing or nothing like that. And she goes to high school and she gets like really, really depressed because it's just like new environment, a lot of new people, all the books, all the teachers. And she realized how good of a system she had around her for those 10 years. That's a lot of change to jump into all at once. <laughs> yeah. I think those were like five years where she's in high school. They were really hard on her. And she was convinced, like, nobody likes me. I don't have any friends because they think I'm too weird. I'm too quirky. I have too many special needs and things like that. And then it's been three years since she graduated. She's been working a lot on herself. And I think it's like three years later, like now, today, we talk daily. And she's like, yeah, you know what? Yeah, I think I have Asperger's. I've just been so angry. And high school was just like all those years that were so hard for me. And she started university last fall. And that has been like really eye-opening for her. She doesn't feel as weird with all the special needs she has. Well, good. Yeah, <laughs> that's my sister. <laughs> that's really good that she was able to come to terms with that because... If you're denying that that's what's going on, it makes everything harder because you're not going to approach things as somebody with Asperger's who may need different help here or different systems here or 
may just need a different way of doing things. So I, I yeah. can imagine that that was probably pretty frustrating for her. Yeah, I think also because we have two cousins who are men today, who are boys. <laughs> and it's only recently where they've actually admitted the difference between the autism and Asperger's syndrome. There is actually a lot of difference between male and females on the spectrum. And because of that, she has been really angry because I think she has just like probably seen Rain Man, like when somebody's like autistic and she's like, oh, Rain Man or something like that, which is very common. That's typically what people here in the States think of. That's the first thing that they think of too, is that movie. It's good to know that that portrayal is universally looked at incorrectly as this is what autism is. Yeah. With your cousins having their different diagnoses and your sister and all these members of your family, what kind of services were they able to get, if any? So one of my cousins, the service he got was the boarding school, which wasn't really a good service because it was also with a very, very troubled kids who were there because of misdemeanor and things like that which wasn't a very good mix. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, but thankfully he didn't go that way. It actually did him good. He was just out in the countryside in a very small group of kids at the boarding school. But that was sort of the only thing he got. What my sister had, she had very good teachers and there were people who followed her throughout her school for those 10 years. Mm -hmm. So she knew them really well. And they made sure that her year group would have like steady teachers. They made like really sure because that's not a given. Yeah. So she only had like three or four class teacher and all the teachers um, who taught her the subjects when she was older, they've been working for years in the school so she already knew them some of them even taught me nine years earlier so <laughs> she knew them really well so in that way that was the service they could give her mm -hmm. and because of the diagnostics she has easy access to like a school counselor or school psychiatrist she gets extra time during tests and finals and also, not just extra time, she goes into a different area with a smaller group. Oh, that's so good. there's less distractions. A lot of those services are things that my son was able to get in school here. Yeah. And he was still in school. So. so how are they all doing now? You said your sister is starting to do better as far yeah. as like accepting what's going on with her. Yeah, she's doing a lot better. And my mom and her sister, they're doing a lot better. I mentioned before that my aunt, <laughs> she would be the opposite of my mom with the cleanliness, but it's not like that today. She's found the balance. And those cousins who are on the autism spectrum, they're doing really well. It's like so, so good to see how well they are doing because like the whole family, their parents and us, we're a really close-knit family. We've been working so hard on just trying to prepare them for life. So we're not hiding anything. We're just like, okay, you are artistic. And that's not a bad thing. 
it's just like you need just different things you need to learn in a different way and we're going to help you with it yes so they're actually working just like regular jobs and they have girlfriends and they have friends and they go like partying and they 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 actually (laughs) travel abroad and like the first time one of my cousins he was just like yeah i'm going to germany for a huge rock festival. I don't know if you've heard of Wacken. Yeah. <laughs> That's like a huge, huge festival, rock festival, like heavy metal. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah, you're going. Like, who's going with you? Nobody. And I was like, okay. No, I met a lot of people like online and we've become really good friends. So I'm just going to meet them there. And we were like, okay, like if that's what you want to do, that's fine. We have a lot of friends and family in Germany and Denmark and stuff like that. So he had like this safety net, like if this and that, I will do this and that. So he he went like four years in a row and just met some foreign group, not even friends from Iceland. (laughs) He's doing really, really well. Sounds like it. Yeah. And those other cousins with the ADHD, they're doing really well. They're mechanics. Mm-hmm. So they work a lot with their hands and they've always been really good with that. And I think they were just really determined to just go their own way and just do their best where their strengths are. That's so good. that's where they are. <laughs> yeah, now. it sounds like everyone is doing really well. And it yeah. sounds like your aunts were very lucky to have that built-in babysitter with you there who apparently has endless patience <laughs> yeah. to jump in there with everybody. Yeah, I've been around this my whole life. Okay, so you grew up surrounded by all these people with ADHD and autism and bipolar, and then you go out to the world and you met somebody. Yeah, so I do Viking reenactment. That's fun. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of fun and a very diverse group of people, which is amazing because everybody gets to be just the way they are. And I started there because my dad, I'm not raised with my dad, my dad and mom, they separated really early on. I think I was just like a couple of months old when they separated. I never knew him when I went for the like daddy weekends and stuff like that. I never really knew him. He was just always busy or I have siblings at his house and they have ADHD as well and um, their mom she's from Poland and she was raised in a very strict Catholic environment in Poland so that was so completely different from all the routines and structures I got with my mom. He went to rehab When I was around 17 or 18, that was like 2006. After he was sober, we started to become friends. So I started going into this Viking reenactment with him. And around that time, I meet this man. He's just a man. I'm I'm like 18, 19. (laughs) And he's 30. And we become really good friends. Like I say, it's a very diverse group. So I have like my best friends, they're like 60 years old and 40 years old, my dad's age. And that's one of the things I love about this. And every year I meet this man and we're always such good friends. And then in 2011, we start going out and he has this lovely daughter. But for some reason, we connected. Things 
they go fast for us. We just fall really fast. We've been friends for years. So since we were going out, we just knew that this was the future. I knew I was used to being around somebody with ADHD, but... So he has ADHD. Yeah, he he got diagnosed that year when he's 35. He took an online test because he was like, yeah, I always suspected that there might be something there. And the online test was like, yeah, you, you should call a psychiatrist or a doctor and like get a diagnosis. And he does that and it's... ADHD, well, ADD, but apparently today they don't <laughs> separate those two. And from there, he starts getting medications for that. And all of a sudden, I realized that we can have one conversation, not five. <laughs> like, After the medication. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been weird. Like, we started living together and started a family. And there are a lot of things quirks that make me crazy we can be talking and I really from the bottom of my heart think that we're talking about the same thing (laughs) like in the conversation but he's just like somewhere completely somewhere else like I don't even know I'm talking about doing the dishes and he's just talking about where we're going for the summer or something like that and like nine years later I'm like how do we do this like all the time how are we talking but we're not talking about the same things little things that can make me crazy but I don't know for some reason I don't think I would like to be without them it just works (laughs) Um, for you doesn't it yeah it really does and I think it's also because he never got any help with his special needs until he was 35 all the stories from my mother-in-law are like she went to get him from school and he wasn't at school because the principal he just took him for a walk they went to the store together because he needed to be like doing things he couldn't sit still and read a book or anything like that which that sounds a lot like your mom and your cousins (laughs) Yeah, yeah it does but he he's not as energetic as they are He's a homebody like me, which is really good. But the thing is that, for example, we watch a lot of TV. I read a lot and he doesn't really have the attention span to read a whole book. And every time we're watching something together, he needs to be doing two other things. And it makes me crazy because he loves to do things with his hands. So one of his favorite things to do when he's watching TV is do wood carving. And all those carves go everywhere. All the shavings. (laughs) Yeah. Like all the shavings, they go everywhere. Me being raised by a mother who just like wants everything to be in their place. It's still in there. Like I want that as well. But then all those wood shavings are all over in the couch because he always needs to be doing something (laughs) when he's watching TV. It's horrible, but at the same time, still, I don't think many people can say that their husband makes beautiful things, really beautiful things while we're watching TV or something. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, he does a lot of hard work with his hands and really doesn't like to sit around unless he's doing three things at once. Yeah. Which for me is often weird because he doesn't really have the attention 
you know, for one thing, but he has like the attention span to focus on three things at once. Have you ever had misunderstandings to where you just want him to focus on you instead of the three different things at once? Yeah, all the time. God, all the time. Just this evening. I mean, because we have a new baby and I said, can you talk to the baby because I'm making his food and he's like yeah I can do that but then he starts making our food <laughs> because that's what he came into the kitchen for to cook our food then sometimes I just like I completely lose control because I feel like I have to do I speak like is it unclear what I'm saying what's going on I feel like nobody's listening to me yes do I need to use simpler words? <laughs> and I was like, yeah, you know, I actually asked you to take care of the boy before you started doing the food. Oh, okay. I was making us the food. <laughs> I didn't hear you, but he still answers me. So it's all the time we talk about, I ask, he answers, but it's like, it's a very weird experience for me. I hear what he's saying when he's explaining how it is in his brain but I just completely don't understand how it is possible for me, at least. Right. And how are things with your stepdaughter? They're good. My stepdaughter, she is almost 10. She hasn't been diagnosed with ADHD. She's been through the whole process and she's in the gray area and she needs like sometimes triple the time to learn new things. I've been in her life her whole life, but as her stepmother since she was one. For example, when she was learning the colors, she would have to learn that like green, you have many shapes of green. And she would have to learn that each shade was green. So like the grass is green and then you have like a t-shirt, there's another shade. And it took about two years for her to learn the colors. There's a lot of variations out there. I can just imagine that took a long time. Yeah. And then we have a son. He's seven. And he's a quick learner. So there's three years between them. But sometimes they're learning the same things at the same time. For example, the reading. They're almost at the same level of reading. The older she gets, I think it gets harder. Because I think it's hard to be 10 and reading at the same level as your seven-year-old brother. So she notices that difference, that she should be ahead in theory, but that they're at the same level? At times, I think she does. But she is just so positive. She is so optimistic. It's just, it's so amazing. We are so lucky that She's just always smiling and just like, no problem, I'll try again. Like sometimes we just need a little bit longer to learn things. So we're really lucky with that. But we need routines. And I think the hardest thing is that we share custody with her mom. So she's one week with her mom and one week with us. And we have a lot of more structure. And we can feel some weeks that... There hasn't been a lot of routines and structure at the other place. So she's having a hard time. And usually that comes out and she's very needy. She needs a lot of hugs, a lot of togetherness. And she has a lot of trouble with communications. 
when you have a child, you sort of just take it for granted all the imagination they have and all the imaginary friends and the games they're playing. But she never did that. She would do a lot of puzzles and she would look through books and everything. But it's not until maybe last year that she started playing imaginary games with dolls. So there's things like that that we've missed out on that she never really did that are so normal for kids to do. She just didn't do the same things. Yeah. And we need routines. We have things like there are five things she needs to do. Like when she wakes up and it's always the same five things. Like I think it was like two years ago, like all the years before that I would have to find clothes for her and pile them up in the order she was supposed to dress because she would just take the next thing and put it on. So like if she would first get the trousers, she would put them on and then the underwear. Oh, (laughs) so you literally have to put those out in order. Yeah. And like oftentimes tell her like, first you need to do that. Then you need to do that. And always like give, I can never give her too much information and too many things to choose from or anything like that. And always the order that she needs to do them in and things like that. I run into that a lot with my son. Um, I can only give him one or two steps of the instructions at a time because he won't remember the rest of it. And sometimes it's just one and I have to wait and make sure it's done before I can move on to the next step. So I see that happen a lot. Yeah. So you grew up surrounded by special needs family members. You're married into special needs and What do you do for a living? I'm a teacher and I'm also a life coach and a blogger. And I actually blog about mindset and families, like how it is to be a mom with a busy family. Because (laughs) if a family is busy, I think mine is. I think you qualify for that. Yeah. My cousin, who I lost six years ago, he was probably one of the influences I had with my decision to become a teacher. When I started university, I started studying to become an environmental engineer. And then I just took a U-turn. While I was in the engineering course, I started teaching my cousin tutoring because he was having such a hard time at school and the teachers weren't really helping him. So I started going to his place and I really connected. I've always been a caregiver. I've always helped people. So I started tutoring him and I thought, well, maybe I should just learn to become a teacher instead of an engineer. So I changed course. And while I was at the College of Education in Iceland, I was working with autistic youth. It was like every weekend they would come to this place. And it was like for families who didn't have anything else, any help at all, and were on a waiting list for temporary homes or something like that. And we would teach them all kinds of social skills and how to cook and just how to take the bus and things like that. And I really felt at home teaching special needs and just really felt at home to be working with kids. So 
I graduated as a teacher in 2011 and have been teaching ever since. I teach maths for students with special needs. And I've always had some kind of groups with special needs during my teaching career. I would say that your growing up and your family that you have right now definitely has prepared you for that and that you are kind of in a unique position to be able to help all these kids. Yeah, because I've been raised around them. It sort of became an intuition. I can just feel what they need or unconsciously read into a situation that I don't even know how I knew to say that or do that. But because I've been around it my whole life, I think it's just intuitive now. Yeah, you definitely have been surrounded by that and had a lot of training before you even knew that's what you were going to do. Yeah. So I'm actually changing. I've been working with teenagers from age 13 to 16. But this winter, I'll be with uh, children at the age of 10 to 12 and teaching special needs education in maths, which is like, I think it's really exciting to have younger kids Mm -hmm. to teach and maybe to tell you a little bit how we do it in my school. What we do is that we want special needs kids to be in a group. So we don't really take them out of the groups. We don't have just special needs areas or anything like that. In Iceland, there's this policy school for everybody. So all kids always start in a public school. And if that doesn't work out, then they get to a special needs school or a special needs teaching. So I will work just in a regular class but take out those when they need it, those with special needs. If they need a smaller space, they come into a smaller classroom. I will individualize the material. Mm -hmm. So if I feel like maybe they are doing too much, I will individualize it by taking out some of the material or instead of doing five exercises, they only do two because they need more time. And some might actually have to just do a completely different thing because maybe they're two years behind or something like that. That's good to have somebody to make those accommodations for the the kids because you always want them to be able to succeed. Okay, so I have one last question for you before we go. For the people who are listening who are either raising kids with special needs or like you, they have family members, their caregivers, what kind of advice or encouragement would you give to them? The most important thing I've learned, which I advise people to do, is take them as they are. And no matter how much special needs there are, they're individuals. And all that matters is that they make their world and future their own. And to support that, no matter what. That's perfect, I love that. Well, thank you so much for coming on here and sharing with all of us. And I can honestly say, I've never actually spoken to anybody who lives in Iceland, so this was fun. (laughs) Just continue working and doing what you're doing over there, and they are obviously blessed to have you. Thank you so much.
It was so nice meeting you. It was nice to meet you. I'd like to thank everyone for listening today. You can find all the links and show notes for today's episode at anamazinglyordinarylife.com slash podcast. If you enjoyed the show, I would love it if you left a review and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future episodes. As always, I'd love to hear your story. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact me at amazinglyordinary at yahoo.com. And don't miss next episode where we'll be talking with Leslie Moon, a board certified behavior analysis. We'll be talking about what it's like to have a career working with special needs kids. I hope you'll join me then.